This is the Fresh Life Podcast. Where love becomes real. And stories become testimonies. We are best friends who happened to get married almost 10 years ago. Plenty of mistakes, crazy choices, and strange things have taken place. But through it all, love continues to win. So join us on this journey as we share with you stories about our lives as parents and partners in love. Welcome Welcome to to the the Fresh Life. Life. Uh, What up? Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fresh Life. (laughs) How do you feel about that? So I'm just not surprised at <laughs> all that something like that. But took what's place. the on key? I feel like that was pretty decent. I would agree. Thank um, you. Far our, too guy. Our mid-afternoon recordings are so much different than like a late night recording. <laughs> like the late night recordings is like super chill. That's true. Um, but yeah, man, welcome to The Fresh Life. Um, I know it seems like we might have forgotten about you. We've been gone on a little hiatus, um, you know, cleaning up life and getting things together. But we are back. We are back like we left something. So it's pretty cool that, you know, since we've been gone, Jasmine actually did a lot of really cool things. Um, and we want to kind of discuss some of that. Uh, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling really good today. Um, I'm happy Tuesday is a good day. You're off work. We're just vibing together. We did something really cool today. We had a family meeting. We did have a family meeting. Yes. Um, you want to tell everybody what our family meeting so consists of? Jasmine started the family meeting with meditation, and I just uh, had a hard time kind of focusing today. So I was kind of feeling like a 10-year-old with my energy. Like I was being super playful and had a hard time kind of getting into the groove of this meeting. But I thought the meeting was really sweet because we covered topics that needed to be covered. Yes. So we started out the meeting with meditation. We did the first three minutes of just focusing on our breath. And then we did the second three minutes of just letting our minds wonder, go where they want to go. But we sat in silence and we held hands while we did it. We held hands. Yeah, we held hands while we did it. So I think that was a good way to just um, be centered and center ourselves. And then we just took it topic by topic. So we started out with the kids. We wrote Caleb at the top of the list and we just brainstormed around Caleb. What does he need? Where is he going? How's he feeling? We just did like a parental check-in where we thought he was in life and um things that he needed we even wrote down winter boots like we just it it went from his behavior in school to academics to how we feel about basketball to we need to pick up him some winter boots so that we just brainstormed about Caleb and then we took it to Jackson then we took it to our house things that we need to do around the house um then we took it to our finances then we took it to Chris then myself, then our marriage, and then the fresh life. Wow. Yeah. And we, we have just have a headers. Big life. Yeah. And it was good. We we needed to talk and yeah. get things on paper. So I think I just that was a good tool that we used and we just like to share with you guys. We just call it a family meeting. You don't have to open yours up in meditation, but just to what are the big areas of your life? Your kids, your house, your careers, each other, your marriage, etc. And just start brainstorming around those topics. And we gave each other action lists. So Chris is going ahead. Like, for example, I wrote Chris' name next to the shoes because he handles all the shoes and pretty much all the clothes for the boys. So we're doing this thing. Wow. Well, that was my uh, computer. You know, there should be a fine for noise. <laughs> right. We should find each yeah, other. We should find each other. Because you always noise. getting on me. I cannot yeah. make a sound during this podcast. It's all good. Um, but, yeah, the meeting I thought was really, really cool. I, I did think it was cool just because, you know, we we talk about how we have in the journal the – um, brain dump 
yes. and the brain drain and, and how just important it is to get that stuff out your head. And the truth is, is that even you got to think, man, with two kids who are their own person, who have their own needs, um, you know, being married, you have your own individual needs. And then, of course, the marriage and then your business stuff It's just like not to mention school, you know, oh, right. school was one careers. Too. Yes. Like, it's just it's a lot that if if you're just walking past each other, life can start falling apart. Right. Yes. And so it is good to kind of come back and connect and. Um, just to be on the same page. It's, I, I just think that's really, really dope to do. So uh, kudos to you for actually calling it out. Yes, um, I, absolutely. I shout out to you for that. Absolutely. We, bef- before we really get started recording, I just want to do a special shout out to our friend, John Manning. Today is his birthday. Oh, happy birthday. He is a faithful listener of the Fresh Life podcast. I'm going to put Chris on real quick. Happy birthday, brother. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. You are one of the best people I know. You are the definition of what it means to be a friend. And I celebrate you. I shout you out. I salute you, brother. Thank you. Yes. Him and his wife live a fresh life. So we just love being around like-minded people. So happy birthday, John. John Manning. (laughs) Oh, Oh, so sorry, look, I sorry. I just did Jasmine. it. I'm just finding. I need to it's be fine. Okay, Jasmine. okay. Hopefully, I saved it because I had to turn it off. So we're here today because, well, again, we're well, here today. Well, you started today. this off by saying I've been doing some cool stuff, right? You've been doing some really cool stuff. So, um, if you've been following the Fresh Life, if you've been following Jasmine, you would know that she um, had her overcome her event, which is unbelievable. Um, because a, I don't think that people really understand. Like we see events happen all the time, but we don't really understand what it means to put on an event. Yes, like to really put it on. Yes, to out of the concept of your mind, the right. ideas you have. Right. Um, like whatever it is that is going to happen, this event is going to come from you and the team that you've put together. And you know, just I've seen the concept of it happen from beginning to end. Yes. Um, and I'll be very honest with you. I was not that involved. Mm. Uh, Jasmine had this whole thing. Um, and I purposefully kind of backed away because I wanted her to plant her flag and for her to look at this room and say, like, me and God did this. Mm. Like, it wasn't, you know, anybody else's creativity, anybody else's ideas and energy. Like, I did this. You know, I prayed for this. Uh, the right people were in the room, the right ideas were here, and women's lives were impacted and changed. Like, I think that is, like, amazing to me. So when we have these podcast talks, you know, about, you know, being, uh, you know, a bigger person than where you are now and uh, living a fresh life and living a more holistic version of yourself, for Jasmine to put this event on, not even knowing if people were going to show up, if people were going to buy tickets, she could have did a free event. She sold tickets because she believed by faith that people were going to come and just believing by faith, you know, and just, you know, walking up those stairs when she didn't know where the next stair was going to be. She sold over 50 tickets like that's incredible to me. Um, and so I'm just very, very proud of her just for her, just for coming out of her shell and, and being this woman that she's always prayed about being. Hmm. I just took all that in. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm always give you credit though, babe, because you helped birth overcome her. I mean, you named it. You literally gave it its name. And I'm so grateful for you because once I was able to name it, I was able to run 
with the vision after that. And um, you've always taught me that even when you were able to name your book, how once you had the name, it was like, okay, let me go now. And I think naming is just important, giving it that its identity. You birth it when you finally give it a name. Yeah. You got to think that, oh, come on. Anything, anything that is about to be birthed, you give a name. Mm. Right? Yes. Before it was born. Right. Yeah. There was a name attached to it. Yes. You normally know its name. Right. You know its name before right. it's born. And the name starts allowing you to dream and envision what something's going to look like. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Because the and reason. And make plans it, for it. And you make plans for it. Mm-hmm. So when I seen Overcome Her as a name, I seen how the room would look, which means I didn't even have to be there to know what was going to happen. So true. So very true. Yeah. So um, I think for a while, like I was just explaining to you what I wanted to do and kind of just like giving you like an overall idea of my dream. And we were just kind of playing with words back and forth. And you were just like, I will never forget it. You were laying on the couch in our room and you was just like, overcome her, overcome her, overcome her, overcome her. And I was yeah. like, yes. Like, yeah. and it turns out I thought it was just like, a name that we came up with like that's how organic it was like finding out those words and coming up with overcomer and then i go online i find out it's like a whole hashtag but hey that's all right but it's great all minds think alike because that day was, it was unique out of something real there was any hashtag could have been attached to the name but the name yeah. didn't create didn't make the right event. exactly and and my definition of the word and how it it was birthed out of me was different so I'm grateful so anyway so to say all that you just said yes Chris like throwing an event it was my first time ever doing an event and I realized all the behind the scenes all the details all the mapping out the phone calls the organization all of that that takes away from the content right so it's one thing to just want to plan a great program for ladies who are attending who are spending their money and their time to be there you want to be impactful so that part is huge but on the other side of that is selling the tickets promoting it getting with the caterer making decisions paying people photocopies um getting with people for resources picking up stuff dropping stuff off i mean it's endless as far as the details communicating with your whole team um delegating who's gonna be doing what how's the flow gonna be the event itself and It's just, you know, all the equipment that's needed, the art supplies, everything, right? And it's like, okay, even down to like the playlist on the phone, right? Like all these things you have to think about and be prepared for. And it could really take you away from the core. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful that I had a wonderful team. I mean, shout out to my team who just made it happen. But I had things in place, like not only is the message a part of my being, I think that's what made it easier to do too. Like that day, I wasn't even stressed. I didn't feel a lot of anxiety. Like I was pretty much at peace because I was prepared in my soul. What what was the, what did you actually talk about at the event? So I didn't want to tell anybody because I thought I wouldn't sell tickets, but the overcomer, the first overcomer workshop was all about shame and shame is a powerful topic. And I kind of just want to pause here for a second because I think it's a thing that no one really talks about, but everyone experiences. So it's that 
thing in your life where you don't want to announce it or admit it because you're afraid of rejection. You're afraid of disconnection. We're hardwired for connection and relationship. And so when you get into a situation or a behavior or a circumstance that caused you great shame, it's really hard to um, admit it, to be vulnerable, to speak it because you're afraid of disconnection. You're afraid of criticism and judgment. And because we are so naturally wired for relationship and connection, it's one of the most scariest things to go through. It's a shameful experience, but yet we all experience it. And I just wanted to bring some light to shame. I wanted to bring some light to what women go through. I wanted to talk um, about shameful experiences that we all experience but no one is really talking about and just to let women know we are not alone we're not alone in our journeys we're not alone in some of the decisions that we've made we're not alone in um some of our behaviors and how we've act out through wounds. A lot of our shameful experiences are because of our wounds, the decisions that we've made, the choices we've, we've endured, the situations we've stayed in, the relationships we've stayed in have a lot of times been out of our wounds. It's been something that have just manifested itself because of um, our hurt. And we don't want to talk about those things, but that we're not alone. And I think some sometimes like in the age of social media, especially, it just seems like everyone just has like this glorious, perfect, healed, whole entrepreneur life. And the truth of the matter is that we're all made of strength and struggle and we're all struggling. And it's just important to stand up for your sister, represent her, let her know that she's not alone and that we all experience shame and that you're still worthy and it's a lot of the enemy to make you feel that because of the behaviors or the things that you've allowed yourself to go through that you're unworthy of love and belonging it does not matter the situations we've experienced or the hardships of our lives we are still worthy of love and belonging and it's the enemy that makes us feel like we're not so that was overcome her you're about to get fined that was overcome her in the in the the nuts and bolts of it. I do want to take a few minutes though, Chris, and do talk a little bit more about shame um, because shame is something that really is, um, I would say, a uh, garden for the fresh life as in a place where the fresh life was birthed out of, where the fertilization of the fresh life took place. So... Besides the fact that you're going to get a million fines, I wanted you to speak briefly about how how you feel like shame was. Um, I called it a garden, but that's not the word I'm looking for. It was like a fortress. A fortress? Can no, I mean out of a fortress. No, you can't. So I would say. That, <laughs> no, you I was, can't. Uh, I was thinking that you were blocked in, like if you were in like a garden and you. Well, I the, said garden for planting. It's a. It's soil. It's it's good it was the ground for the fresh life it was the soil it was the so right <laughs> i mean the fresh life was you know truly uh birthed out of the need to rise out of a shameful place mm -hmm. um and i've mentioned this before on the podcast of course um you know when i talked about you know areas of um you know not being faithful of you know lying manipulating and you know cheating and just not being like a stand-up guy and when you are um when someone knows something about you that you have tried to protect 
that brings about a level of uh, shame. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it puts you. I don't care if it's if someone said if someone's seen how much you weigh, if somebody found out where you really live, um, if somebody really seen the car that you do drive, mm-hmm. um, if somebody understood how your family really is behind closed doors. Like those are things that we try to protect, you know, because it doesn't look like the best version of how we perceive ourselves to be. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is, is that when this perception is given any light, it freaks us the F out. Like Mm. it's just like, whoa, like, yeah, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah. Because a, you have not trained your mind and your spirit to be prepared for that exposure. So you've, so like, that's a part of your life. That's like, it's almost like going into the attic and thinking that you can just pull out that old sweater without dusting it off, without having to prepare it and iron it. It's in the closet and it's never been seen for years. And so it's a reason that it's never been seen. You know, it's, it's something that you think that, you know, nobody's going to see. It's not a big deal to you. Um, maybe you think that I mean, it is a big deal and you're just trying to hide it. But the minute that people see it, it freaks you out because you're unprepared to discuss it. You're unprepared for what it means to you. You're unprepared mm-hmm. for the emotional consequence of having to talk about it um, because maybe you go up there and it's just you go in the attic and it's just raw feelings. Right. It's like, I don't even know. I took this away. I threw it in the attic. It was dirty. I threw it up there and I was done with it. Like I can't even process it. I can't even process it. So for anyone else to get the chance to process it ahead of me freaks me out. Mm -hmm. And so when, you know, I was having to answer questions about, you know, uh, my behavior um, or, you know, whatever um, things I was going through or I was putting others through, like I wasn't prepared for that. Mm -hmm. And for anyone that is going through a moment of shame, like just know the there's light on the other side of it that what shame wants to do is to convince you that that great sweater that's up there mm. don't ever pull it out mm-hmm. because if you do they're going to clown you right like oh that's if, good if you leave it in yes. the, if you leave it in the attic you're safer right. and your perception safer your self esteem's going to be right where it need to be they're going to talk about you for that they're going to talk about you but the thing that is that sweater's ugly here's the thing you want the sweater you want the freedom the sweater gives you and if you can go get the sweater and wear it out and you make it through that day yeah you will be stronger yes for rising up and fighting through the opinions of other people yes. for your own sake. Yes. And, and we just get stuck in this place where we don't even want to open the door because of how we think others are. So you almost put the perception ahead of the health. Mm. And anytime you put the perception ahead of the health, you're going to suffer consequences for that. I totally agree. It's almost like the sweater is the wardrobe that you actually need because it's cold outside. You really need to wear that sweater. And once you wear that sweater, you will be a, a better person for it. Your day will go better. It's almost like um, you'll be prepared for the day, quote unquote life, right? If you really just put on a sweater and wear it, you got to wear your struggle. And mm. um, I think like, so we did, we did an activity called Stand Up For Your Sister, where we named um, very shameful things that many women go through. Oh, I love this. 
Yes, it was a really dope activity. So we talked about like things from sexual partners and STDs to debt to weight loss to smells to um, saving for retirement. Anything that you know you might not want to announce in front of a large room like, um, yes, I've had a lot of sex partners. Yes, I'm in debt. Yes, I don't save for retirement. Yes, I'm overweight. Yes, I'm bulimic. Yes, I throw up. Yes, I take prescription drugs. Yes, I smoke weed. Yes, I drink too much. Like You know what I mean? The things that you normally would not say, mm. right? And we did an activity called Stand Up For Your Sister where we were very honest and admitting to these things, but it was anonymous. And then we passed the papers around and you didn't know whose paper you had, but you represented your sister in the room. So if the person wrote, yes, you stood up to represent her. And I think it was powerful hmm. because it showed everybody that we're not alone in our struggles and we're not alone in our shame. And you would think like, oh my goodness, like the, you should have saw how many women stood up for like, um, I've had an abortion or um, I am in debt over my head or I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Like we're not alone. And I think in this world that we live in with social media and just also the millennials, we have on a face, we have on a mask. And like me and Chris joke around all the time, like we look at people, you know, flossing out here. We'd be like, either she in a whole lot of debt or, you know what I mean? Like, what is the truth? And we and we sometimes just um, try to put on so much that we're oh so successful. And um, so anyways, make a long story short. I think once you really own it, so we opened up a lot of worms and I love Miss Rita who um, gave me this word. Hmm. She has said that basically you open up a lot of worms, right? We open up a lot of worms in our life and, and just like right now being vulnerable, being honest and transparent about our struggles and the things that we've been through and the shameful mm -hmm. experiences we had. And you think about a worm, you think, Ugh, like a worm is just nasty. Like I know but if I, if I just poured out a lot of worms on this table right now, it would probably freak you out. Right, Chris? Like you, especially you, you can't stand bugs and bugs are nasty. Let's just, it is what it is. And so, however, even though how nasty the bug is, a worm, slimy, gross, you need that in order to do what you need it in order to catch fish and fishermen know that in order to get a fish I need to use a worm you need to use your story you need to use your experiences you need to use what somebody else can resonate in their soul and that's what a worm is so yeah it's our can of worms but in order to catch fish and the bible says we are to be fishermen of men in order to catch people in order to bring people in in order to have people to stop in their track and say yeah you might feel unworthy you might feel unloved you might feel flawed you might feel nasty Nasty. You might feel all those things, but the truth is, those are just your worms. And I had the exact same worms, but now I have overcome them. And look at me now on the other side of these things and by the grace of God. So we are to catch people with our stories and our testimonies and wheel them in to let them know you are not alone. Here's my worm too. But I also catch them to bring them closer to Christ. Mm. So I love that analogy. I want to say too that, first off, that analogy is dope because A, it is very difficult to catch anything. Right. You know, and the importance of being able to, um, you know, use your story, use your testimony, use your life um, as a way of lifting others out of the water mm -hmm. is vital mm -hmm. because that is the, that is probably the most powerful thing you have is the, and that's the greatest connection is what you've been through. Yes. That's why me and you like true stories as far as movies. So true. Right? Because yes. I can connect with the reality 
to some degree, even though I was, uh, you know, I was talking about the movie Only the Brave, you know, with the guys who were hot shots, um, who, you know, went into the mountains and, you know, prayers to those who are in California right now, um, you know, who have once again been displaced out of their home mm-hmm. uh, due to, you yes. know, wild, you know, fires. And those guys, those hot shots would go into those regions to put out those fires. And even though I'm not a hot shot, you know, I can identify with the fact that they were sacrificing maybe um, their lives because they have kids. Right. Um, and how crazy that is, right? And when we skip past the idea of um, sharing our story, we stop, re- we, we don't press record on the movie that someone would want to watch and mm. enjoy. Um, and not necessarily enjoy for the sake of enjoying your misery, but being able to identify with it. Right. Like at the end of Hot Shots, like I dropped some tears. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it was like a cleansing feeling. Like I'm dropping these tears because I can feel for these men who put their life on the line. And it's like a person, if I was sitting on the couch with someone else watching that movie and they were laughing and they thought it was whack and they thought yeah. they were corny, mm-hmm. I would have lost respect for that person to some degree. Because you can't feel the fact that they've been through something and you thought it was funny. Like, and so that's how you have to look at that, at that level of guilt when it's time to be vulnerable. Right. Like most people are going to identify with you. Right. You were, you were telling me an analogy um, yesterday about a hallway. So, yeah, I mean, there's this, um, this concept that, you know, I was, you know, thinking about when it comes to, you know, being in a hallway and the hallway is... You know, where we, um, you know, mask our shame, you know, whether it's from, you know, addictions, um, whether it's from trauma, uh, of any painful feeling um, that is, you know, causing us to not be the people that we want to be. And so we do a lot of things when, you know, we have those feelings. And so imagine yourself at one end of the hallway, you know, um, just dripping in shame and trauma and painful feelings and you know, whatever it might be. But on the other end is another door. And that door has all the addictions that are down there, right? I mean, it's, um, you know, whether it's pornography, whether it's relationships, whether it's love, whether it's food, uh, it could be smoking, it could be drugs, it could be anything. I mean, it could be anything that causes you to feel better because when you run down that hallway, and you run away from the feelings at that door, you run into this room full of addictions. It's like a candy room full of lights and disco balls and everything. And as soon as you feel better, it gets dark down there. And you want to run back to the other end where there's more light. Mm -hmm. And you run back to your trauma and your feelings, and you're like, I don't know where this came from. Like, why am I down on this end? Like, how did this door even get created? Like, who gave me this trauma or this pain or this whatever feeling? Who like you don't even know because we haven't necessarily done the work. And as you're running back and forth through life between these two hallways, your I mean these two doors in the hallway, there's always been this other door, this third door in the middle of the hallway. That if you were to go in that door, it's the door of vulnerability. Mm. It is the door of a safe space. And if you were to go in that door, there should be people there who who are saying, hey, man, listen, we've been hearing you run back and forth and we just been kind of waiting on you to just come in Mm. and you come in there and they just want to embrace you. They want to love you. And they say, listen, 
I'm simply here just to hear from you, just to hear your story. Like, I'm not here for any judgment, no criticism. I just want to hear your story so you don't have to run back and forth in that hallway because it seems like you're tired of running. That's good. And so if you were to run in that door, though, and that door was met with criticism, man, why do you keep running back and forth in this hallway? Like, mm-hmm. you don't know no better? Mm-hmm. Like, this is, bro, you, you look, you're looking silly right now, like, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Like, you look tired. You, you, everybody talking about how depressed you are and all of that, man. Like, for real, you need to get yourself together, bro. Like, it's embarrassing almost. If you were to have that type of interaction, I'm telling you the truth that you would close that door, lock it, and throw the key away. And that is the difference of speaking to people who can handle your story. A safe person. A safe person. And everyone does not deserve to hear your story, whatever it may be. Um, but just know that you have a choice to get out of that hallway, and it is very, very scary to do so. To overcome shame, you have to speak it, and you have to speak it with someone who is safe. And a safe person has to be a person who is empathetic, which is different than sympathetic. Sympathetic is, I feel sorry for you. Oh, poor baby. Oh, I, I feel so sorry for you. That's that's sympathetic sympathetic oh you going through that oh my goodness oh child poor thing right I don't need that I need somebody who's empathetic someone who's who feels with me you know what I started doing like I started having these mental check-ins where I would I would feel a certain way and I would just like stop what I'm doing so I would pause and then I would ask myself like why am I feeling like this like where is this like this tornado of emotions coming from like, and I just want to identify what was I doing five, 10 minutes, 30 minutes before, you know, was I rushing? Was I, um, overanalyzing a thought, you know, what was like, what was my emotions? And so once I noticed it and I put a name on it, well, now I can respond like, okay, so this is what I need to do in order maybe to avoid this feeling. And that allows me to categorize what's going on with me Mm -hmm. because if I just keep responding and don't put names on things, then I'll just constantly be in an area where I can't even practice self love. Mm. Like, because I'm not taking any time for self. Mm -hmm. It's just happening to me. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, it's like, um, you're just getting high without knowing why you're desiring to get high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a very scary place to be. I mean, um, when I look at the fact that like anytime I've ever felt, you know, shame or guilt, um, you know, guilt has always said like, I made a mistake and I deserve the worst. You know, I deserve people not to love me. Um, but self love says, what can I learn from this? Like, what is a deeper understanding of this that I can take from this situation? Um, it's, it's not rooted in sympathy, even yourself. You have to be empathetic towards yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, self-compassion is key. You are, you'll crush yourself and allow shame to win. Absolutely. So guilt is I did something bad. I made a mistake. Not necessarily, though, that I deserve a certain outcome because guilt could be a good thing. Guilt, can, guilt is also I am bad. No, shame is I am bad. Guilt is I did something bad. Yeah. So that's the difference between the two. So shame is it's ownership. I am bad. Mm. I am unworthy. I am wrong. I am flawed. Where guilt is I did something bad. I made a mistake. I did something that doesn't line up 
with who I want to be. And guilt, in a sense, can be a good thing because it can change you, your behavior, it can change your course. You can experience something like if you forget, um, if you forget a friend's birthday, it's not that you are a flawed friend, it's that you made a mistake and you don't like that feeling. And it's like, okay, I'm never going to do that again, right? Like guilt can get that emotion mm-hmm. in you. But um, when you were talking about the need to be empathetic, it's I feel with you. It's I feel where you're coming from. I feel your heart. I'm taking time just to feel your heart. And even if you can't relate to that person, you're opening up a space where you can feel their heart. And my favorite author, Brene Brown, talks about if you put a if you put shame in a Petri dish and you douse it with silence, criticism and judgment, it's going to grow exponentially it's going to turn into a monster it's going to turn into a beast that's the best grounds of shame for it to develop and to grow is silence criticism and judgment but if you take that same shame you put in the same petri dish you douse it with empathy it cannot survive in that environment Mm. empathy is the antidote to shame and to overcome shame we have to speak it but like you were saying we have to find somebody who's safe and what's a safe person a safe person in, in relation to this is an empathetic person so how do you take How do you become empathetic? So it's five steps. The first one is perspective taking. So taking the person's perspective, the ability to listen to a person's experience of the world. So our perspective is never going to change. We have all these lenses that make our perspective. We we look at the world through the lens of our spirituality, our ethnicity, our gender, our sexual orientation, our economic status, our home of um, family origin, our experiences. Those are all the lenses that we use to look at a situation. Well, those lenses most of the time are very different than other people's, you know, and even our spouses, even our kids, like we have different perspectives. So take a perspective. The second one is to stay out of judgment, no judgment, no judgment zone. The Dalai Lama says love is the absence of judgment. The Dalai Lama. Yeah. Love is the absence of judgment. That's true. But, right, love is the absence of judgment. And I think that people, what does judgment look like in real time, right? Judgment is distancing yourself with an opinion. Mm. That's about, That would be how I would define it. Like, that's what judgment is to me. Yeah, judgment is just looking at that thing from your perspective and even if it's something hor- um, horrendous like murder, I think so often we could say, or a child molester, I think it's so easy for us to stand back and say, no, like at the end of the day, I'm judging that it's murder. It needs to be judged. It's wrong. You did a, you did something terrible. You molested a child. That's the worst thing you could ever do. I'm judging that. And I can call it what it is. That's not, that's not me being too judgmental or whatever. You killed somebody and you're wrong. Right. A lot of people could definitely have that perspective at the same time. I think judgment in that particular case is just dismissing somebody because of their action point blank period, not going to the root of their wound to find out why they think murder and child molestation was an okay behavior. What were they taught? What did they experience? Who molested them? Who did something to them? Who betrayed them? Who wounded them? Who hurt them? And the so to stay out of judgment is to not just come up with an assumption that this person is wrong for this behavior. Yes, we all know that that behavior is 
wrong and we don't condone it at all but at the same time I think when you try to really be empathetic it's just staying away from just making this person a bad person because of their behavior and you know even to attach to that just about how important it is to you know truly hear people's story um Dr. Kelsey Ann who I've you know been talking about here at home you know who's been blowing up Twitter um her book her new book The You Effect uh, she quoted this. Uh, she quoted Cheryl Richardson, who said, "People start to heal the moment they are heard." Mm. Um, and just to be quite honest, man, like when if you if you have a belief that like you're doing someone a service by being critical of them and keeping it real with them and like kind of being tough with them, there's a way to be tough without being judgmental Mm -hmm. and how does that look you know if i were going through something and you know this could be for your children this could be for your mom your spouse whatever you have to before you volunteer to listen to someone ask yourself how vulnerable are you willing to be with yourself about yourself because oftentimes people want to be heard and the only way they want a response from you is if you're if you are willing to sometimes share a place that you can identify them with. Mm, yes. Right. Absolutely. It's very easy to sit and say, hey, I'm gonna tell you everything you should do. And a person's looking at you like, okay, that's cool. That's great advice. How do you know that? Right. Where did you get that from? Like, did you have have you experienced this? Like the best, the best advice givers are those who say, Hey man, listen, let me tell you about. Every, you know, what I went through when, you know, I didn't have a job. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you how that made me feel, man. Mm-hmm. I, I felt low, man. I can mm-hmm. understand how you feel, mm-hmm. you know, like you're not providing for your mm-hmm. family, man. I can understand that, bro. So trust me, you're not alone in this feeling. Wow. Now, and let me tell you what I did, bro, to get out of it. And let me tell you what I did to get out of now it. I can, now I'm ready to hear some advice. Right? Yes. Instead of, listen, man, you got to get a job, man. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, sir. Right. I did yeah. not know that. I appreciate you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So true, Chris. Yeah. And just to your point, trauma and shame and wounds, they happen in relationship. And they also heal in relationship. Mm. So healing of wounds and shame, shameful experience happen in community and they also heal in community. And so when you said people start to heal when they're hurt, yeah, when they, it's in community, it's in relationship that we get hurt and it's in relationship that we get healed. And I think that's really important so that it's, it's, you have to get to a place, I think so much, we're so guarded and we put up all these walls of not wanting to trust, not wanting to um, be in relationship with people because they've hurt us so much. What was your word that you came up, that you found? But that's also where, oh, yeah, I don't even know how to pronounce it. But that's also where you heal. You heal in those same environments. So you can't be so stoic and so numb to to relationship that you're not able to heal. So, But, 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 but I still believe that we, like when I was going through stuff, the biggest thing that cut me off from relationship was taking offense and that cuts off the relationship. So, you know, the minute that I believe that someone did a disservice to me and how I was treated, I am taking on a, a position of offense. I've been offended. And so now I can sit and operate in that, you know, and say, I've been offended. They've done this to me. 
that is not something that necessarily always comes through a voluntary like situation. Like people just don't volunteer to be offended and hurt. You know, like I think that we have to, and this goes back to what I was saying about how you allow yourself to participate in, in people's trauma. You know, like you can say, I want to be there for you. Come over to my house, come talk. And then you don't help the situation. You hurt the situation. And now you're wondering why they don't talk to you. Well, because you may remind them of their trauma. You may remind, you may have now inserted yourself into the the trauma that had nothing to do with you. I don't think it's insertion in a negative way. They were just looking out as friends. And so they're there with you to talk you through it. But because you now experience PTSD, P P S T D P T S D P T S D. You now they remind you of your trauma. Well, I'm just saying no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I am saying that if someone volunteers, this goes back to what we were saying before. If someone says to say, "Hey, I want to listen to you," and they take the position of being judgmental or critical. Oh, right. Without understanding how to empathetically have this conversation absolutely well now they attach themselves to the offense that you may have already been feeling so now not necessarily that you caused it but now you didn't you were another person who didn't hear them mm. so this you know the person is trying to get off drugs they're trying to have this conversation with people and they or their alcohol whatever it is they're trying to have this conversation and the truth is the minute you judge them they no longer trust you and you're you're looking at it as they're not mature enough yet to have to to be they're not ready, mm-hmm. you know. And that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. It there's the other side of shame, and it is how we participate with others in that conversation. Are we are we a soft place? Are we a safe space? You have to know yourself. Like, are you a safe space, or do you walk away thinking to yourself, "I shouldn't have said that." Right. That was hurtful. I shouldn't have said mm. that. And, I, and you may minimize it. You may move on, go get you some ice cream. But man, those 30 words could have crushed them because they mm. trusted you. Right. And they no longer trust you in this area. Right. So when I was saying that you heal in community, it doesn't have to be the same community that offended you at all. It could be a small group. It could be therapy. It could be with other friends, other family members. It doesn't have to be in the same community that healed, that hurt you. So um, so the next part, part three of how to be empathetic is to recognize emotion. So just to recognize what they're going through, just to don't be so oblivious that you can't even connect with them, that you can't see that they're angry, that they um, are curious, that they're disappointed, that they're disgusted, that they're embarrassed, that they're sad, that they're vulnerable, that they're worried. Connect with those emotions, recognize them, and then communicate them. Let them know, like, I'm sorry that you're worried. I hate to see you frustrated. Um, I hate to see that you are experiencing so much shame. I hear you. I see that you're overwhelmed. I'm recognizing that you feel alone. You know, communicate that so that they are not a, that they are not alone and they understand that their emotions are being heard and um, seen. And then, of course, just stay present. So be mindful. Don't get on your phone. Don't be so distracted. Don't, you know, somebody talking to you. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. Okay, wait, let me go upstairs real quick. Hold on, here I come. 
All right, hold on. I'm sorry, girl. This other person on the line, right? Like all of that interrupting, then just say it's not a good time for me to talk right now if someone is about to be transparent and vulnerable. And it's also good for the person that is um, about to communicate something. They bought, uh, they're going to express a shameful moment or a shameful memory or, um, or just be vulnerable for them to ask, is this a good time? Do you have a minute to talk? And hopefully that person can be honest and say, yes, it is a good time or no, let me give you a call back in about five, 10 minutes. So I love that. So, um, I, I, of course I keep just talking about Brene Brown, but she says empathy is simply listening, holding space without judgment, emotional connecting and communicating that incredible healing message of you're not alone. And I think that is the powerful part of empathy is just to feel with you and to let you know that you are not alone in the experiences that you have. And the and I love how my pastor says, if I get naked, then you can get naked too. If I begin to show you the truth, maybe you'll begin to show me your truth. We could take off these masks together. I'm going to take off my mask. You could take off yours. And I think that's what it's all about. So I just want to thank everybody for listening in to the Fresh Life podcast. It was a deep one on shame. Um, it was a really good conversation, a needed conversation. It's um, like Chris, we we talk about all the time how the Fresh Life was birthed out of shame. It was birthed out of shameful situations in our life that we just had to get honest and real and raw about that we were actually able to overcome and we're still on the journey of overcoming um, a lot of our issues but we're just on a journey together with you guys so every little thing we come across not new knowledge things that we learn in therapy things that we learn from being on this journey we're just sharing them out loud and um and it's good well, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Fresh Life Podcast. Again, be sure to visit thefreshlifestore.com. You can also follow me at Chris Marvell, and you can also follow Jasmine at Mrs. Jasmine Marie. With the Z. With the Z. And you can also make sure follow the Fresh Life brand on Instagram at the Fresh Life brand. So once again, thank you so much for listening to the Fresh Life Podcast. Have a good day.